morning and hello. My name is Ikoi Ivy, and this is the inaugural episode of the weekly reaction. So essentially, uh, once a week, I'm going to get on here and I'm going to cover one or two topics that's in the news, might be political, might just be social, might just be something that's uh, on the minds of um, people. Um, Today, I'm going to talk about two things. Uh, First up, I'm going to talk about the NFL's anthem policy a little bit. Uh, And then I'm going to get into universal health care, the ins and outs of it, and kind of just what I think about it and um, just some ideas behind it. So first up, uh, for now, the NFL puts the national anthem policy on hold under the agreement with the uh, National Football League Players Assist uh, Association. So this whole thing is really kind of convoluted in the first place because this goes all the way back to I think 2016 when well we all know the kind of we know the story essentially San Francisco San Francisco 49ers quarterback at the time Colin Kaepernick knelt down uh, during the national anthem for one of the games now I think it should, it's really important to know here that prior to this single event Prior to the single event of Colin Kaepernick not standing, nobody nobody gave two shits about the national anthem, and it was never a televised event for the uh, prior to football games, with the exception of like the Super Bowl and maybe the conference championships. Nobody gave a fuck. So now all of a sudden, well, that's kind of strange. We got a a starting uh, player who's kneeling down from the anthem. So they ask, hey, Colin, why are you kneeling? He says, uh, because I'm protesting racial inequality and police brutality against minorities. He never said anything about being unpatriotic. This had nothing to do with the anthem. This had more with him taking his opportunity to make a point, right? And what a better time to do it now. He didn't do it during the game, didn't do it didn't do it at the coin toss, didn't didn't do it in media interviews after the game until being asked about it, of course. He just silently protested and when he was asked, he said what it was. And it was specific about racial inequality and the, how the police treat minorities. Now, that's a kind of a whole nother topic. However, if you really want to delve into it or you want to get into it with uh, in terms of you want me to cover something like that, then we could talk about the racial inequality and the systemic racism within the judicial system and how police are portrayed um, when they govern our streets. However, this is more specific to the NFL, whether they're collapsing to pressure from the owners or pressure from the public, essentially, or the government. This is different. This is, we're going to now punish players if they choose to protest. Now, per the NFLPA, players have a right to protest. Very well, more likely there's nothing in the the player conduct rules that says they can't. I mean, that's gonna change. Obviously, they're gonna make their, their own determinations uh, with that, but essentially, the NFL primarily doesn't want to lose sponsorships. I'm sure they're probably getting plenty of heat from all of their advertisement dollars, 
right? Because there's public outcry. And leave it to our American media to turn this around on something that's really not. What started as a protest against how how minorities are treated within the within the law enforcement area, how cops treat blacks, Hispanics, Asians, how they're diff- they're treated differently over your standard white person. Again, that's a different argument. But leave it to our media to then take that and flip it on its head and go, oh. If these NFL players aren't standing up for the anthem, they must—they must be against America. They're—they're they're against our military. Oh, that's wrong. They can't—they're unpatriotic. What are they doing, playing football and being unpatriotic? Which is really not what it's about at all. And that's the most frustrating thing is they've—they've they've modified this argument to something that it really isn't. And then you have a bunch of uneducated Americans who get on that bandwagon where they go, "Fuck, man, yeah." These fuck these NFL players. They make millions of dollars. How dare they be on? Un- they wouldn't be making that million dollars if they weren't in America. They wouldn't be making that money if they wasn't for us and and the government. They're unpatriotic. Bullshit. Straight bullshit. You know they they should have a right to to stand up for what they believe in, or in this case, kneel down for what they believe in. They're not picketing. They're not holding signs. They're taking a very small amount of time before a game where the public will see them and they're just kneeling i don't see how that's a big deal or should be it should be any kind of issue at all and the fact now that they're gonna uh, i guess the dolphins might impose a four game suspension if a player kneels out in the field uh prior prior to the game start um the only option that these players are really given is that if you don't want to stand for the anthem, you can stay in the locker room. But that really defeats the purpose of what they're trying to shine a light on in the first place, which is exactly what the NFL wants, exactly exactly what the government wants, and it's exactly what the advertisers want. At the end of the day, they don't want any controversy. They just want to keep making their money, and that and that's really what it comes down to. But it's really unfortunate that we take we take something that needs to be ta- talked about, needs to be spoken uh, to, and turn it into something that is really not just just to get public outcry of a bunch of people who aren't educated on what's really going on, and uh, they want to jump on this anti-America thing when it's really, really not about that. Um, as it stands right now, the new policy is on hold uh, because the Player Association has filed a appeal, I believe, until until they can uh, iron out some more details of it, or, or they were trying to say that uh, they weren't included in this new policy and they need to be. So uh, we will see what happens going forward, but it's a big pile of horseshit for the most part. So next topic I'm going to react to and or discuss is the idea of universal health care. Now, I think something that's very interesting is that of the... 33 nationally recognized countries that are considered developed um, or for lack of a better term first world of the 33 32 have some form of universal health care u.s is the only country that's developed that has a private system we all know and love i say that tongue-in-cheek um so i'm going to talk about it a little bit um, because there, there is no matter-of-fact system 
that is flawless that works the absolute best obviously uh, many factors go into healthcare and cost and who pays for it and how it works um, I think it's important to notice that you know that in America it's a private system which means that we pay private insurance companies that are for profit to assist us with medical care most systems in America you get your insurance through your employer or uh, if you're low income you can get Medicaid and if you're above 65 you get Medicare which is a government funded healthcare system that doesn't absolve you from all the costs uh, you still you still have to pay a small percentage of care um, and usually it's somewhere around 20-25% depending on what they cover and your income level and things of that nature um, the, the average CEO of an insurance company so you take Fannie Mae or you take uh, Progressive or you take any of these uh, any of these healthcare insurances the average CEO is making 20 million dollars a year so as we pay these insurance premiums please understand that 20 million dollars goes to the CEO the guy running the guy or gal who's running that insurance company now obviously I'm not saying that they don't deserve a large salary for what they do I'm sure it's trying work and it there's a lot of money involved but 20 million dollars is a lot of money for any one person to make uh, when it comes to health care and the health of your citizens a lot of a lot of that money can be displaced the way it works in America is anytime we bring up universal health care, we, we, don't, we don't think about care first. We think about, oh, who's going to pay for this? Now, obviously, in, in any systems, the money has to come from somewhere. In most countries that have uh, some type of universal health care system, uh, it's usually paid through your payroll tax. And there's some other programs that usually uh, will use a bit of that money to, to cover the cost of your citizens. That's not going to change, even if if U.S. goes to a universal, like a legitimate universal healthcare system, that money's going to come out of our payroll checks. But it does now anyway, and I don't know if the co- like, I don't know uh, the difference of cost, right? And of course, because it's America, we're greedy and we're capitalists. We have to make so much money. We're gonna, they're going to frame universal healthcare in such a way to where it's going to end up costing the citizens more money where we're gonna have to give a bigger chunk of our of our paychecks. But in reality, we don't really know what it's gonna cost us if we did some kind of universal healthcare system. Um, most countries, the government takes on the majority, like 75 to 85% of the total cost, and then sometimes they'll, they'll allow third-party investors to come in as a private investor and, and take care of that 20% left over, 15% left over, 25% left over, trying to take take on that uh, take on that burden. That 75 to 80% though, that's all from payroll taxes, material taxes, goods, uh, property tax, probably wherever they get it from, uh, alcohol, tobacco, those kind of things. That all the taxes from that will assist to the cost of the medical. Um, and then, of course, there's always going to be a small portion that we're probably going to have to pay for as a citizen. 
But if you look at the systems, um, the biggest, the very, the biggest issue for America is that there is no restrictions. If you look at all the other countries, at least developed countries, they have governmental restrictions on what they can charge. So America is the wild west of insurance and costs for healthcare because they can charge whatever they want. There is no, um, there is no restrictions. And, and a good example of this is if you have a loved one who is terminal and you know, the doctor comes in and says, hey, listen, your mom, your mom is, is terminal but we have this new medication that we're we'll trying to get her on. Um, it'll, we can guarantee you that it'll, it'll give her another six months of life. And then you have to sit back and go, oh my God, if I could save my mom, well, can I, I can keep her alive for another six months before she dies? You know, then you have to ask your question, is it gonna be worth it? And the doctor goes, well, it's, um, it's gonna be about 60 grand a month to, to maintain. So you gotta pay for six months your insurance and you are gonna have to pay that 60 grand a month for that one pill. Is it, and then you ask your, and your morality comes in. Is something like that gonna be worth it? Is that something that I want to do? And the reason that they can do that is because there is, there's no restrictions. There's no restrictions on what they can charge. They charge whatever they want. And it used to be, at least in America, if you had um, high blood pressure, diabetes, uh, lupus, whatever, whatever kind of disease you had, you can go to Canadian pharmacies and get your medication for a substantially less price because in Canada, they offer, they have restrictions on what they can charge for care and medicine. So it was cheaper. I don't think you could do that anymore. They, of course, you know, they put the kibosh to it because they're, they're losing money. Um, the real issue is insurance companies and pharmaceutical CEOs because in order for any of this to change, for restrictions on what they can charge, they have to cut those guys out. And right now, pharmaceutical CEOs and insurance CEOs, if you're the insurance CEO for Regions Insurance, hey, listen, man, you're funding the, the political campaigns for the people who are, who are making the laws and you're gonna ensure I'm gonna keep giving this guy money so he can't change the law so I can continue to charge whatever I want so I can continue to make the most amount of money um, because I'm a selfish piece of shit. And I don't really care about healthcare, I care about sick care and how I can make the most amount of money. Um, it's really important to start there because it's, Politically is unfortunately through the, through our politicians the only way this is going to change and as long as you allow These CEOs of these companies to continue to be in the pockets of the politicians Nothing ever is ever going to change because it's all about money if you look if you're a private citizen in America Before it was mandated that you had insurance If you wanted a routine checkup at the doctor's office and say you're a private citizen, but you didn't carry insurance they the clinic or the healthcare provider would charge you a very like a charge you an individual rate for the care. <clears throat> so say you go check up and just for argument's sake, let's say it was five hundred dollars. All right, so you pay five hundred bucks, you get your checkup, you leave, no big deal. Now, but because everyone carries insurance, now that same clinic or that same uh, medical facility, they're going to charge your insurance fifteen hundred dollars. 
Instead, they charge you individually 500, but they're gonna charge more to the insurance company because they can, because there's no restrictions. And they know that the insurance company is just gonna pay it because at the end of the day, that insurance company is gonna impart those fees back onto your employer and then back onto you. So that, you know, everyone always complains about why, why every year it seems like my medical changes. It's because your employer is scrambling to find the cheapest medical for you. And the cheapest medical is never gonna be the best care. You need some kind of system. Most countries, most countries use a two-tier system, and many of them are mandate insurance. Uh, Canada and the UK are the only countries that are single, which means that all of it comes, all of the funding for healthcare is provided by the government. A two-tier system being you you have your basic fundamental care through your government, and then you have the option to pay an additional subscription fee, essentially, for more care. So it's like being double covered. So you don't have to have a second, a second type of insurance, but if you want an additional bit of care, you can pay for that like you would normally um, and get a, a, an additional coverage for your cost. So if the government charges 80, you know, says, oh, okay, we'll cover up to 80%, of the cost of this very medical care, if you have that extra tier where you pay a little extra, that'll cover the extra 20% for you so that's not coming out of your pocket, if that makes any sense. The fact of the matter is that the United States has the largest total cost based on gross domestic product, right? The actual total amount of money. We pay the most. And that's also because the insurance companies and the pharmaceutical companies, they make the most, right? Our doctors are the highest paid, but our quality based, based on many surveys and studies our actual, the quality of our care is some of the worst in the whole world. In fact, medical error was the third leading cause of death in America. The country that has the most advanced medical techniques and the most advanced equipment and supposedly the best doctors in the world, then why is medical error the third leading cause of death to Americans? That's insane. So that tells you where our quality is because we don't have health care, we have sick care. We're not looking at preventative care as a reason. Why don't insurance companies offer incentives to go to the gym? Or pay pay our gym dues, or or you know somehow they subsidize the cost of our gym through insurance, because they don't really want us to be healthy. They want us to stay sick because they keep making more money off our insurance. That's how it works, and it's a dirty system. Something needs to change. What is the option? I think the the first and foremost, there got to be some kind of restrictions on what they can charge. That would flatline the system. Even if it stays private, if insurance companies and pharmaceutical companies can't just charge whatever they want in the wild west world of the healthcare, then at the very least, at least it'll stabilize to the point to where we know what everything costs. Now, you, now your, your, your company who has to pay for full-time employees, they're required to pay half of what full benefits will cost. Now this is this this goes back to what I was talking about before about how why your healthcare insurance changes all the time because whether you have Regents Blue Shield or Primera or Group Health or or whatever the, the organization you get your insurance through, they're gonna give a bid to a company and say this is what we're gonna charge you. 
and that breaks down to an actual number per full-time employee. So uh, at least in my state, because state healthcare varies a little bit, but federally and state-wise, most employers have to pay for half of what it costs for full benefits. That's their, that's their requirement as a business owner. Is And this also varies based on the actual number of employees as well. So if, if it costs $800 per full-time employee per month, then what's required of you per the government or per your, per your state is half of that. So, so your, your employer is mandated to pay for $400 a month per every full-time employee, which means that $200 per check if you got paid twice a month is gonna come out of your paycheck to, for those full-time benefits. And then obviously as you add dependents, you gotta, you gotta continue that up. So it gets really, really expensive, which is why, and it's expensive for the employers as well. That's why, that's why it's so hard to have a business in America and that's why so many people, a lot of times it's not wages that kills them, it's, it's the insurance and the benefits and the overhead. So that's why they have to, have to manufacture a lot of stuff overseas where it's cheaper because they can't afford to keep benefits taken care of here because healthcare is a huge burden. So theoretically, if we went to some kind of universal healthcare system, ideally industry in America would improve in terms because now you can get more business owners, more people willing to, to manufacture, more people willing to, to run their business in America because the cost of healthcare isn't going to kill them every time they add an employee. As it stands now, if you're a small business owner, your growth is 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 muted to a degree because you, the more you grow, the more employees you have, the more it costs you to keep your business going because those employees cost so much money. There's problems with every system. The biggest chief complaint with most of these universal healthcare system is, is the wait time. If you have to have a surgery, if you have to see a specialist, you're waiting a month or more generally before you can get seen or get in. But that's where that second tier comes in, right? If you pay an additional fee for that insurance, that'll, that'll circumvent some of those wait times to get you in sooner. No system is perfect. No system is, is absolute matter of fact, but by far America has the absolute worst system and something needs to change. How that change happens, I don't know, but something absolutely needs to change. Something that's very interesting is 5% of your population account for 50% of the total cost of healthcare. So a very small minority portion of the actual population of your country accounts for half of everything it costs for healthcare. That's a sobering statistic. So one of the cons or one of the negatives is that, that healthy people, they don't want to pay for that. They don't want to pay for somebody else's health care. But you never know when you're going to need it because you're going to be happy. You're going to be thankful if the day comes where you're in the hospital and now you're going to reap some of those benefits of all you've been paying into, right? Because chances are your federal tax is going to go up to cover those costs. But you can reap the benefits, uh, assuming that you get hurt, or you get sick, or you need a surgery or something like that. So where do we go from here? I don't know, but uh, something needs to happen. And hopefully um, talking about it, have an open debate about it, and not 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 being closed-minded to change and different ideas. Like we all have our own opinions. It's important for us to take in new information, you know, honestly, and, and we can adjust our own opinions based on information that's provided. I think that's really important. So 
I'm going to leave it at that. Hopefully that made sense. And uh, I appreciate you sticking it out with me. Uh, if you're trying to get a hold of me or you have any questions or you want you want me to talk about something else or you want to uh, enlighten me on some things that I didn't cover, which I'm sure I didn't cover a bunch of stuff, uh, you can hit me up at theweeklyreaction at gmail.com. Again, my name is Ikoi Ivy, and uh, have a good day.